Tonight on the Invention Laboratory, we dive into social media and its effects on the invention development industry. If you've ever heard a conversation between a 20-something and a 60-year-old regarding social media, it probably went a little something like this. Social media is ruining our society. Kids these days are never going to understand what I interrupted by. You're so out of touch. These tools allow us to interact with people that we otherwise wouldn't have had the chance to meet in our lives, but you aren't really meeting them. You're tap, tap, tapping on the screen all day and you've got your head buried in that damn thing. I spoke to four people on three different continents today and you've never even left your hometown, boomer. Mark my words, you and all your millennial and Gen Z buddies are going to regret not having the social skills to make it in the real world. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Guys, hold up. Give it a rest. And I know you don't want to hear this, but you're both wrong. And you're both right. No matter what your stance on social media, there's one simple fact that's undeniable. Things have changed. How we interact with each other has changed. How people maintain relationships has changed. And for the purpose of this industry, how companies bring products to the market has changed. To the people that thought the internet as a whole was a fad in the 90s, and to the people who grew up with an iPad attached to their face, it's time to stop slinging mud at each other and do what you should have done five years ago. It's time to educate yourself from both perspectives and figure out how to use this to your advantage. It's okay to be nostalgic for a time gone by, but ignoring the future and in turn the present isn't helping your cause. It's also okay to embrace technology and stay on top of the latest trends, but ignoring the past and pretending that it didn't lay the groundwork for everything that you know and love is equally foolish. A combination of both traditional methods and new wave approaches is the only way to touch your entire customer base. Ignoring that fact is a surefire way to run your business right into the ground. Gary Vaynerchuk once said prior to the collapse of retail giant Toys R Us, they made several crucial mistakes, which led to this Chapter 11 status. They outsourced their online fulfillment to Amazon because they didn't believe in the internet. They never changed their customer experience, and they got people comfortable with the idea that Amazon was the place to go for toys. There was never a reason to go to the brick-and-mortar store because you could get it cheaper at Walmart. The shopping experience became stagnant, and to demand a higher price and bring people into a physical location, you need to have an experience like American Girl, or host events like the National Lego Championship, or open Nickelodeon Slime Centers. Failure to innovate is a death sentence. To put it bluntly, today, it's innovate or die. Rest in peace, Toys R Us. Social media, as with every marketing, advertising, customer service, and sales tool, has its pros and cons. Now, I'm not going to spend time debating the right and the wrong way to use every platform, but we should, at the very least, cover how to use these tools effectively when launching a new product and when to refrain from the urge to vomit information all over a public platform and risk losing your product rights. In episode 14, we touched on the topic of prior art. The one thing that most people don't understand is that it's actually possible to create a prior art claim against yourself. One of the first questions an attorney is going to ask before doing a professional patent search is, is this information public domain? And when, if ever, have you shared this information online? How much detail was provided? 
And have you filed any form of protection, such as a provisional patent application? This, of course, is solely dependent on your desire to gain a non-provisional patent status for your product in the future. But as I've mentioned before, a vast majority of products have no intellectual property protection, and they never intend to file it due to the simple math involved in traditional product life cycles. If you need a refresher on product life cycles, episode six is a really good place to start. Once you've made peace with your protection methods, whether it's a non-disclosure agreement, a PPA, a utility, or a design patent, you can now focus your attention on ways to not only promote your product, but fund the more expensive portions of development one. This is also a good way to take the temperature of your future customers and get feedback before you waste time, energy, and effort on developing a full product sample. It's much cheaper to make adjustments to a computer-generated rendering of your product than it is to go back to a manufacturer and have them make adjustments to molds, substitute materials, or even change something as simple as the color of the product. Social media also allows you to benefit from a positive reaction to your product by allowing customers to place pre-orders. Now, this may not sound like a huge deal, but when you're sitting in a boardroom with your product trying to convince a large manufacturer to enter a license agreement, your most powerful bargaining chip is your ability to show demand for the product before anyone has all their cards on the table. If you aren't heading the licensing route, This can also serve as a leg up with investors or even your spouse when deciding to pull the trigger on a full production build, commissioning molds, or even just increasing your next order by 100,000 units instead of 10,000 units. Data in today's day and age is often more powerful than intuition. Now, there's still room for you to go with your gut, but risk management still has to be a part of your process. Let's talk about social media as a presentation tool. When getting large companies to consider your product, you'll eventually run into a common problem. Not all of the decision makers are able to be in the same room at the same time. Their manufacturing facility and corporate office may be in different states. Some companies even outsource electronics components to companies in a different country simply due to the cost. Your job at this point is to make it easier for all parties involved to consider your product and the proposal. The good news about this method is that you're easily able to present your product with supporting materials and everyone who needs to be a part of the project is involved from day one. They can request clarity on any aspect of the product and they can get a response within an hour and not go through the process of scheduling additional meetings. They can request adjustments to the product and they can be made without wasting raw materials and at the conclusion of the presentation, they can decide if a full sample is necessary for consideration. Don't spend money on something that you may never need. When you're considering the effectiveness of presentation materials, you have to consider the shareability. If you have one physical prototype, you're limited to the people in that room. If you mail your prototype to a manufacturer and they don't return it, You have to pay to have it replaced, and if it was handmade or a one-off, you just set your project back months. Digital prototypes allow you the ability to share a project with millions of people at the click of a button. Now, I'm not saying that physical prototypes aren't necessary, but you need to protect your investment. If your electronic presentation materials aren't able to pique enough interest for you to present in person, you need to reevaluate your project and revamp your presentation materials. 3D modeling technologies allow you the ability to manipulate products in a virtual environment. This is why concept cars for major manufacturers are built in software prior to building a full-scale model. 
The measurements provided are going to be accurate and you can swap out materials in seconds. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. This week we're actually going to share the creation process of an Audi R8 in a 3D environment. Hopefully this gives you an understanding of the power of social media in the development process. Physical prototypes may still be that element of your presentation to seal the deal, but the electronic materials will assist in your ability to secure the meeting. Thanks for tuning in to episode 19, and as always, reach out to me with any questions you'd like to have answered in future episodes. Until next time, take care. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Over the years when speaking with manufacturers, I would ask about their preferred method of presentation. Would you like it in person, trade show presentations, emails, Skype, or conference call? The number one answer was always email. The reason? It presented the least amount of friction. You don't have to schedule emails, and your non-English-speaking entities weren't required to participate in a meeting with a translator. Three, two, one. Now, there was a time, not too long ago, that families watched their children and grandchildren move across the country or even over the pond, and they only saw them again for weddings, funerals, and the occasional holiday. Sending letters and photographs through the mail was how they watched them grow up. There was also a time not too long ago that people sat down for dinner and didn't need to take a picture of their food before they ate it. They spent days at amusement parks and didn't get to relive the experience for 30 days. They had to wait for 35mm film to be mailed away, processed, and then returned, only to find out that Aunt Jan's finger was in front of the lens on every single picture, and the nice family picture included Ben with his finger in his nose, Uncle Nick waving to the camera for some reason, and Big Jer's head was cut off because he's a foot taller than the rest of the family. 